At this point, I want to transition us into our next segment, which is the hearing of God's word and the teaching of God's word. We're continuing our series in the Sermon of the Mount, and before we hear God's word, let me pray for us. Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to hear your word. Would you wash us in your word, wash us with your word, reveal our sin, renew our hearts, and renew our minds so that we would be able to live changed lives, gospel-changed lives. Help our preacher to speak words that would strike us in the depths of our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, please give your attention to the hearing of God's word. Our reading today is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Toronto Church. My name is Lyndon and I'm one of the pastors here and it is my privilege to speak to you this morning the words of Christ from Matthew chapter 6. This morning we are addressed by Jesus and called to consider together where our treasure is. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. It's worth acknowledging that for most of us in our secular age, this is a very strange idea. To think about structuring our lives in order to get some treasure that exists somewhere beyond our present existence. We don't tend to think this way. We live for what we can see. We live for the joy of now. But here, in this text, and throughout the scriptures, we're confronted with a different kind of world, where people are made not for your best life now, but for eternity. Eternal beings created for all the joys and sufferings of life under the sun. And here, Jesus invites us, he invites you, wherever you are, to live not for the fleeting treasures of this moment, but for the lasting treasures of eternity. In this call to lay up ourselves treasures in heaven, it's worth noting that Jesus here is not proposing that we be disinterested with reward. He doesn't tell us, as many others have told us, that we are to live to the glory of God with no concern for reward. That's not what Jesus says. He says his people should live for rewards. The glory of God, in this sense, and God's rewards to us simply cannot be pulled apart. And if you disagree with that, you'll have to take that up not only with Jesus here, but also with Paul and the writer to the Hebrews. God made us for reward. And the only question is, 
What rewards are we after? Are we after the wrong kinds of rewards to make a name for ourselves, to be praised in the place of God? Or are we after the right kinds of rewards, the rewards that God himself deems fitting and good for his people? To use C.S. Lewis's words, it's not the case that we as a people are too ambitious for rewards. Rather, we're not ambitious enough. The problem has never been that we're too ambitious, but that we're ambitious for the wrong things. As Lewis put it, we're people fooling about with drink and sex when infinite joy is offered us. We are far too easily pleased living for the things of this world, laying up for ourselves fleeting and decaying treasure instead of heavenly, lasting reward. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He goes on in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How do you know what your heart is after? Look, Jesus says, at the treasures that you've laid up. In other words, if you want to know what you really desire, and you can say all you want that you desire God, or you desire to please God, or to please others, or to please a person in relationship, or to pursue a career, whatever it is. But in the end, Jesus says, Look at what you've laid up for yourself. And whatever you've laid up for yourself will reveal in the end what you really love. According to Jesus, what we possess loudly proclaims what we love and where our hearts are. Jesus goes on in verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You cannot serve God and money. For those of us with wealth, here there is no getting around it. As Jesus says elsewhere, It is difficult for the rich to enter the kingdom. You cannot serve God and money, he says. You cannot serve two masters, he says. And in mind here is the master-slave relationship. Such a relationship was was not up for grabs. Such a person in ancient Rome could not serve two masters. You had to pick one or be picked by one. Be warned, Jesus says. What you do with your money proclaims, you might say it forcefully proclaims, where your heart is and whom you serve. In short, the point is this. We, the rich, are not to hoard or to trust in our riches, but to use our fleeting treasure, our fleeting earthly treasure, to store up lasting heavenly treasure. Where is our money sitting, we might ask? 
How is it being invested? And are we using our earthly treasure to store up for ourselves a heavenly reward? But now, in case anyone thinks it's only the materially wealthy who are warned here, let's be clear on the context. Leading up to our passage, Jesus has been warning in depth religious people in the same way. Beware of practicing your righteousness before others, Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For you will have no reward. You'll have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Do we hear this? When we do good things, not out of love for God, but instead out of love for self, so that others will look at me and say, Wow, what a great man. What generosity. What a person of prayer. Wow, how spiritual he is. Jesus says, of all such so-called good works, you have received your reward in full. In other words, you've laid up treasures to be eaten by moths instead of heavenly treasure. And this all makes me ask myself, why am I so prone to loving the praise of people. When I consider the things that I've been laying up for myself in my own life, I've got a lot of earthly treasure. I've prayed in order to be seen. I've given to the poor in hopes to be seen. I've fasted. I've preached. And in a sense, I'm always preaching in part to be seen, to be praised, to be esteemed. And for all these things, it's difficult to hear that inasmuch as I've done any of these things for the praise of people, I have received my reward in full. How about you? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, Jesus says but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a beautiful invitation Jesus gives us here, a beautiful vision, to stop concerning ourselves so much with what other people think, to stop obsessing myself with self-image, with worldly acclaim, and to become more and more the kind of person who lives to please God. Don't you want that? Well, it can seem impossible. How do we become the kinds of people whose lives are for the pleasure of God, who pray not to be seen but to pray, who give not to be seen but to give, who use worldly treasures to gain lasting rewards and so serve God over money. How do we do that? Well, in order to answer that question, we're going to take some time now to consider it from the particular context of this present cultural moment.
asking this question. How are we to be the kinds of people who live to please God, storing up heavenly rather than earthly treasures in relation to the present cultural divide over anti-black racism? Or to put the question differently, what would it look like to live not for the present age, but for eternity in response to the charges of anti-black racism in Canada? Well, let's talk about it. We're in a time when the culture is divided over various opposing viewpoints, ideologies concerning race and racism. And on this, the church cannot afford to be silent, not anymore. Nor can the church afford to enter into this ideologically. The church's response has to be far greater, far greater than a siding with any political ideology, because the church swears allegiance to no political party except for the party of King Jesus. This is a political claim, and the church has always been political, inasmuch as it has claimed that Christ is king over all. And to be clear, to claim supreme allegiance to Christ does not make us apolitical, but rather transforms or ought to transform the way we engage in secular politics. Now, that said, I'm not here this morning as a minister of the word to argue for or against the existence of systemic racism. Although, although I must say, if what you mean by systemic racism is that we're part of a history that has in our past pushed black and other peoples to the bottom, and that this history has ongoing effects into our present, however great or small, that, to me, is a no-brainer. Historic and nameable acts of racism, from slavery through Jim Crow to mass incarceration of black people and all kinds of other gross and oppressive practices which are part of our story and can't simply be removed from it without effect, these are lasting and observable damages that have been done to black communities in our country and around the world. But here is what we're interested in. Our God is a God who is near to the brokenhearted. Our God is a God who hears the cry of the poor, who inclines his ear to the cry of the oppressed. Our God is a God who became a marginalized man, in order to save marginalized men and women, and anyone else will become like them, humbled, broken, poor, and poor in spirit. So, when we hear black people, a people disproportionately at the bottom of the present social ladder, saying to us that there is a problem, asking to be heard, asking to be considered. We, the church, have a responsibility before God to hear them. We, the church, apart from any political ideology, have a responsibility before God 
to humble ourselves, even as Christ humbled himself, considering others more significant than ourselves. And we have not done this. And so the fundamental question here for our church at this moment is not, does systemic racism exist? Rather, the fundamental question here is, are we considering the interests, are we listening to the interests of our black brothers and our black sisters? Are we listening? Church, let me be clear. We, the pastors and elders of Grace Toronto, are not asking anyone to jump to one side or the other of an ideological debate. What we're asking at this time is that we, as a church, enter into a time of listening, hearing our black brothers and sisters, both within this church and in the broader culture at large, and asking God, asking God as a church, to search our hearts, to root out any sin of pride, sin of favoritism, sin of partiality, lack of love, inhospitableness in us toward this community and beyond. Now, what does all of this have to do with heavenly treasure? With laying up for ourselves heavenly treasure? Well, right now, in this cultural moment, each of us is, in greater and lesser ways, being exposed as to where our treasure lies, as to what we really value. For some, this moment will expose your need for respect and acceptance. We want to do what the crowd is doing, to be seen on the right side, to prove how right we are. That is not the way of the cross. It is not the way of the gospel. It is only to be laying up for ourselves treasures to be eaten by moths. For some, this moment will expose our need for control and security. To even consider that we've been part of the problem that we've turned a blind eye to our prejudices and lack of love seems to some too risky. We cannot bring ourselves to do it. And if that's the case, we may have discovered where our treasure is in comfort, control, the need to be right, laying up for ourselves again treasures on earth. This moment will expose our spending habits, what we prioritize with our time and money and our social capital and whether black people and other minorities are even on our radar. For many of us here, we're being exposed as those whose gospel has been too small. We've allowed our happy communion to carry on, overlooking the concerns of black members, even of this church overlooking the needs of black and other marginalized groups beyond the doors of our church. And in all of these things, in all of these ways, we are exposed as those who have, in part, 
been treasuring the wrong things. And we can begin by admitting that this is who we are. We are a people who treasure the wrong things, a people who live for the praise that comes from man rather than the praise that comes from God. We do good things to be seen. We love the acclaim. We love our wealth and our comfort. We love being on the right side of justice, of politics and the cultural debates. We love our own tribe to the exclusion of others. This is us. This is me. And yet, there is good news still for people like me and good news for people like us. For the proud and the oppressed, for the angry and the oppressor, there's good news for all. And the good news is this, that there is one, Jesus Christ, who did not lay up for himself treasures on earth, but laid up for himself treasures in heaven. And what is that treasure that Christ was pursuing, that he went from heaven to earth and to hell and back for? You, God says to his people, you are my treasured possession, my own treasured possession among all peoples. While you and I were storing up for ourselves all the treasure we could find, God, God treasured us. While we've been striving to serve two masters, Christ served God alone. And while we continue to divide in pride, over ideologies and ethnicities, over race and racism. Christ dies for us and offers new life to all who come to him and invites us to a kingdom built for every tribe and every tongue where the first will be last and the last will be first, all to the glory of God. Amen.